0: Maxwell and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Vandenbrie from the Collingwood Football Club, you're listening
1: to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well, and welcome back to another episode of the 50 Most Relevant. Number 14 today. Andrew Brayshaw is who is on the conversation piece. Can you believe it? Just about two weeks left to go in your 50 most relevant. And if one of the big boys from fantasy footy last year is at 14, what do the next couple of weeks hold for us? Well, throughout this episode, you've got to know and hopefully love the contribution of one of the newest members of the coaches panel. Mini Monk is his name. We've had him on for a number of people throughout the 50 most relevant but we've seemed to always just get him on for the freeo play. So couldn't miss the opportunity for our final docker of the series. No one's really surprised by that. Mini Monk, how are you, my friend?
0: Yeah, good. And it's the, it's the docker that's probably the most relevant for fantasy coming into 2023. I mean, when you've got a player that pushes into that top bracket of, of midfielders, he's absolutely someone who's going to be relevant coming into the next season.
1: Yeah, he certainly is. Just the 23 years of age and for the past few seasons, fantasy community as a whole has been seeing this Evolving emergence to a superstar. And he certainly did that for us in 2022. Uh, just the midfield eligible alone. It's a while since he was a mid forward now, but a 181 against the Saints was not just his seasonal high in AFL fantasy and Dream Team, but a career high for him as well. In that same game, a 189 in the Super Coach was a seasonal high, but not a career high. Just go back another season, add another point. And that, my friend, is what you've got for his best ever score in Supercoach. It was against the Tigers. It was a 190. And boy, that is some serious ceiling he's shown now over the past few seasons. His average of 112.4 in AFL Fantasy means he does hit the magical million-dollar club in Dream Team. And he is not far off it in AFL Fantasy, just 5K shy of 6 Figures turning into seven figures. Well, in Supercoach, $615,600. And Minnie Monk is a Fremantle supporter. You've known it even longer than probably the rest of the fantasy community. But every single year, the emergence has stepped forward. Every single year. The question was never if he was going to be relevant in our fantasy teams. It was the question of when. And last year, he hit almost the top echelon you can get within the fantasy community. Yeah. He
0: comes in as, you know, the third highest averaging player in AFL fantasy and the 10th highest averaging midfielder in, in super coach. And you're, you're pretty happy with him. If you picked him as just starting pick for last season, but he's just continued to get better year on year as his time on grounds increases, he's become a more prominent member of the midfield for Freo and you know, he's just going to be the staple inside of there for the next five, six, seven years to come alongside Sarong and whoever else they decide to run through that area. And that's going to mean he's going to remain relevant for the next six or seven years as well, because I don't see many reasons why he can't keep producing at the level that he produced last season. I mean, he's got the time on ground. He's got the mm-hmm. combination of marks, tackles, goals that you need, a high possession count. He plays a high... Plays a really, really good brand of football to be a not only a great footballer, but a great fantasy scorer as well for us.
1: Yeah, he's incredible. Last year, fifth in the league for uncontested possessions, eighth for disposals, tenth for effective disposals, which is really important for us in Supercoach. And as you just mentioned there, that really well-rounded game, tenth in the AFL for tackles, makes the All-Australian team, picks up the AFLPA's MVP and no surprise after such a good season, ends himself picking up the Fremantle footy club's best and fairest. In Dream Team and Fantasy, that average of 112 consisted of 13 tonnes, Nine of them over 120, and these are not just limping scores over 120. There's 131, 134, 141, 144, and then that round two match that gave him his season and career-high score in Dream Team and Fantasy anyway, the 181. Uh, Alongside that really nice frequency of tons and high ceiling is an incredibly good consistent high floor because just the two scores last year under 80 all year third overall for averages across the format and first for total points Yeah, highest scoring player in 2022 for afl fantasy and dream team you jump over in super coach that average of 111.8 consisted of 13 tons eight of them 120-plus, and an equally good ceiling. I think there's like six scores of 130-plus in there. Just incredible what he was able to do, including that 189 against the Saints. And just like in Dream Team and Fantasy, a really nice scoring basement. Two scores of 80 or under. 10th in the ranks for total points and 13th by average he simply was amazing, and he showed elements of it in 2021. Um, he showed elements of it for us in 2020. But you make this really interesting point, Minnie Monk, that sometimes just goes under the radar. He scores in every possible column for us. Just eight times last year, he had 30 possessions. So he's not just getting this done by sheer volume of ball winning. He's able to score in every category which is we no doubt we'll talk about tags as we get through this episode his ability to be scoring in multiple columns is incredible for what he has done but also if he can bump up that scoring just that little fraction more
0: yeah you talk about the ability for him to be able to score in all columns and it means that those bad games are never really dreadful games you say that there was those two games under 80 in both af and sc What's missed in that is that they're just under 80. The two yeah. games in AF were both 78s, and the games in Supercoach, I think one was a 79 and one was a 77. I mean, they're not like they're bad scores. They're not, not going to hurt you now. because you get premiums that drop 60 scores when they cop a bad tag. They, they're the ones that are hurting you a lot. But if you can feel you know, a couple of marks, a couple of tackles, maybe a goal every game, you, your basement's never going to really hurt you. If you own him as a player, he's never going to drop a, a massively poor score because he works so hard on the ground. He runs for days. He he clocks up ten k's a game easily, and he runs. You know the person that's running with him, or, or or even the other players in the team off their feet because he just knows how to find the space. He gets into that those pockets of space, especially at the big Optus ground, to find those mm. plus sixes. And yet he also has the inside mix as well, which is what you need from those really top-end uber premiums, the ability to find the ball on the outside and the ability to be able to win your ball on the inside as well.
1: And then when you put that all together, you get that game like you did in round two where everything clicks and he delivers you that big monster ceiling. And even if you look at the stat line in the game, yeah, 40 possessions, 10 marks, eight tackles, one goal, two. On the front of it, you're like, that doesn't feel insane. But that's the beauty of Brayshaw, is if one week his possessions are down, he can bolster that up in the other categories. And really, he does have it when he can bring those elements together a few times a season. Not only are we talking that he's got the Mitchell, Swan, Rockcliffe areas of ceiling, but if he does that multiple times in his ceiling, doesn't matter if he hits two or three times under 80 all year if you own him for the year it more than balances it out at, at the price point we've got him uh you don't end up not only at this point in the 50 most relevant without being relevant but um some are not considering Andrew Brayshaw now you don't have to start him that's not what I'm saying at all but if he hasn't even been someone you've at least pondered meditated on or considered I think you're him- Missing a trick. Yeah, he's expensive, but that's because he's done it. Now, remember the first 13 games of last year, he went at 118 in fantasy and dream team and 114 in super coach. So there's even that little bit of room for more than half the season. There's three, five, six, seven points per game of upside. Um, And there's this interesting trend, Mini Monk. I'm keen on your perspective on this. Over his career in AFL fantasy and dream team, He's never scored more than three tons in a row. He's never done it. While in Supercoach, he hasn't done more than three consecutive tons in the past two years. Now, in 2020, there's a run of six consecutive hundreds. When you hear a data trend like that, what's your initial response? Is there excitement around that or some hesitation that that brings around how you view him in 2023?
0: I think there's a little bit of both. It makes it hard for him to be a player that you want to start because then you always have that nagging thought in your back of your head that, oh, he's going to drop a bad score. He might get cheaper for me. But then you look at what's around those really low games where he goes sub-100, and they're not low games. You're talking 90s and 80s in the scheme of things. But you look at what's around them and you go, right, let's have a look at the start of 2022. It's 120, 181, 95. Okay, it's a bit of a down game. Then 110, 123, 116, and then there's an 83. So, look... If you've got that range in your scoring, it's not going to hurt your price that badly when you drop a bad score. So it's a bit of a mixed bag with him. You can start him and think, right, if he pops and wants to score, everyone else is going to be trying to get to him. And, okay, if he pops a bad score, at least I've got the ceiling score out of the way already. Or you can be in the frame of mind that eventually his price might come down when he pops a bad score. But if you're playing that and you're hedging your bets on that side, then, you know, you might never find the right time to jump onto because, as you say, he might pop that sub-100 score, but equally well, he can back it up the next week with a 140-150 yeah. score and immediately he's just met that break-even, he's maintained his price, and he never gets to that cheap point where you can jump back on him. And that's, that's scary when you've got players that can pop, you know, a 180 score because there's not many of them in the league. You can only count maybe a dozen players in total that you could reliably say could pop 180 in AF and DT and 180 in supercoach in a game. There's not yeah. many players that can do it.
1: And then backing it up with 120s, 130s, 140s. Exactly. It, this isn't a unicorn game. Remember in 2021 he had a 190 in supercoach. So this isn't a career high game we saw in Super Coach. It's this is the level that he can do. Um, two questions for you again. Let's leverage some of this Fremantle mantle uh, insider knowledge that you have. We know that secretly you are Longmuir, and that's fine. Uh, we're not <laughs> gonna, we're not gonna give it away. Justin. it's totally fine. Two questions I want to ask: the tag, what does it mean, and how is he preparing for it? And then the second, a pretty decent change in that midfield has hit. Mundy out, Omira in. What's your thought on those elements and dynamics and does that change the scoring potential and trajectory of Brayshaw for us?
0: Let's start with the tag. It's coming. He oh, got yeah. tagged last year. Yep. It's coming in this year. But the good thing is he's preparing for it. Freya are running Aish on Brayshaw during the pre-season intra-club games to prepare both of them for what could come in 2023 because Aish did a couple of tagging jobs through the year. And Brayshaw was tagged a few times. And that's a good thing. You want your premiums who are likely to be tagged to know how to work through them. And Brayshaw is the type of player that can work through a tag. He was tagged during the Derby last year by Nelson and he broke through the tag. Nelson couldn't run with him in the second half because Brayshaw has that much of a tank and can find the space where he needs to to work his way back into the game. And that's the thing. In tagged games, what kills you as an owner Mm-hmm. isn't the fact that they're being tagged, it's if they're tagged out of the game completely and they drop a score that's a 60 rather than 80. Correct. And that's, and Brayshaw has shown that he can work through them and still be able to get to a reasonable score. So yeah, the tag is a concern, but I don't think it's as big a concern as some coaches might be making it out to be. And then let's talk Just about the midfield mix. Yeah, You've got Monday out, Jaeger-Omira is the likely replacement in. I think there's going to be a little bit of a decrease in the CBAs that Jaeger gets compared to what uh, Mundy had, but in the scheme of things, it, they're playing. They're going to play a similar role. They're going to be an in and out player. They're a big body to try and protect the likes of Brasher and Sarong from, you know, some of the harder stuff that happens during the game. But that's good. You mm. want someone like that to be back on the inside because if it was just Mundy out and you're putting, say, Erasmus and Johnson in, who are smaller bodies, totally. Brasher is the one who's going to have to do the brunt of the work, and that would be, you know, cause for alarms. But Jaeger coming in, you know, it, it helps him. I, I think that replacing in your midfield mix with a like for like can only be good. And it's not going to affect Brayshaw's CBAs. He's part of that core mix. He's going to be getting 75%, 80% CBAs every game. He's the first one basically selected across that following list for Freo. So yeah, I I think that it's a really smart trading decision to pick him up because it helps to bridge that gap. And it's really, really good for us as fantasy coaches because it means that Brayshaw will remain relevant
1: hundred uh, percent. And then you've got a brand low medalist sitting at full forward for half of the game. So <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm certainly not too concerned either. He's currently at time of recording in 15% of dream team and super coach side and, and 17% of AFL fantasy and dream team. So that that's maybe on the lower end that some might be considering given what he's done, but he's absolutely a viable option as an upgrade target. And he's absolutely a viable option in your starting squad. Now with anyone that you, outlaying this much cash in your starting squad he's got to be a captaincy and or vice captaincy consideration otherwise he's an upgrade target the reason being you you just can't spend that much cash on a player and not believe that you could in the opening five six weeks when you've got the lowest volume of options to choose who's your VC and C. if he's not one for you walk away upgrade target if you're comfortable with that Okay, now we're a consideration. And the positive news for coaches is this early fixture for Fremantle, it's actually phenomenal. Here's what it is. Uh, Saints away, north at home, eagles at home, crows away, Suns home, and then lastly, the dogs at home. Biddy Mike, that is just about as good as a fixture run. It gets not just from a football perspective for Fremantle, but also from a fantasy output for Brayshaw.
0: They are some juicy matchups. And if you want to look back at what he can do in the Saints in round one, look at what he did on them in his two games against them last year. Those were his two ceiling games, the 181 and 189 in AFDT and Supercoach, and then a 144 in AFDT and and a 132 in Supercoach. He gets let off the chain in that game and you have the captaincy on him you could be in for a monster start but there does come a slight flag with that which is, is that win hager might be doing a tagging job of him so that might temper some expectations but then he backs it up next week with north yeah. melbourne at optus stadium oh. on a saturday night optus will be pumping he's going to find space he's going to be having all he wants in that midfield and then he's got the eagles the week after yep. again on an afternoon game plays the adelaide crows plays the suns Yeah, I mean, there's no tags coming in any of those, really. And then the dogs as well. I mean, he's the type of player that finds space. Dogs give up plenty of spaces for Mm -hmm. people to be able to take marks. There is a world where he's averaging 125 in AF and super coach and dream team over those first five games.
1: And he reaches
0: that $1 million mark and he just becomes an absolute banging starting pick like he was last year. You can easily see it happening. And that's what scares you as a coach, because if Mm -hmm. you've got a player that can do that and you're not on him, and as you say, 15% of the competition is, he might get away from you and they might get away from you very quickly as well. So yeah, there's at least four out of those five games. If you had him, you'd be putting the VC or the C on him and sleeping pretty well at night and doing so.
1: Yeah, it, that round one, like if you were to look at round one, that does seem a popular narrative that not just that it's the first game, but the Carlton-Richmond game does look like it's nice and juicy for us with options, whether that be Doherty or Taranto. But then you look through the rest of the matchups. There are a couple of good ones there, but Brayshaws does stand supreme based on the history of 140-plus averages in the last three. Um, the Windhager thing is a concern. You're right, Lion has showed at both his club's previously he's more than happy to run a tag and that's a that's a very interesting proposition and we've talked about it you and i and, and rids on the last couple of podcasts these guys that can take seasons away from you even expensive ones brayshaw's in that conversation too you might be going oh, i'll get him cheaper at round eight or round 10 or after he's by there's actually no certainty that you're paying less for him in fact you might be paying more for him as you're heading into that um even if you're not starting with Brayshaw, you've got to be keeping a close eye on him, and not just because of proven capacity. But here's the thing: he's got the round twelve buy. So if even if you don't start him, he's the perfect player to run you through those three weeks of multi buys. Which, by the way, in Dream Team and Super Coach, that round thirteen that is confirmed best eighteen on the field for us. Not so much in AFL fantasy, but it is in those two formats. So as a reference point, by the way, Richmond. GWS Essendon. So if you're not planning on starting him, he might be perfect for you coming out of the buyers mini-month.
0: Oh, he is. And the other thing that he has is that very, very nice round 24 matchup against Hawthorne. If you're looking at that final round and wanting to win a grand final, Rachel could be popping a massive score in that game. He would be a lovely person to have a VC and a C on. So if you don't own him to start the season, then that's fair enough. If you don't upgrade him into the during the buys, then that's fair enough. But I can tell you what, you're gonna be wanting to own him for those last few weeks because if you miss that game, that could hurt.
1: Oh, absolutely, my friend. All right, let's 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 talk about drafts and what we're going to do with Bray Shaw. Where he goes on draft boards, like a lot of these now big-end forward um, midfield premiums do suggest on two things. Format you play and how desperate the community react to this need to secure an F1. In some places, Ritz made the comment that there could be a world where Taranto, Cogs and Dunkley are the first three off the board on draft day. Um, so let's talk about it. AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and Super Coach Mini Monk, where are you seeing and happy to take Andrew Brayshaw for draft?
0: Well, pure and simple. He's a top 10 midfielder. He's a, probably a top five midfielder. And so he needs to be taken as someone's M1. And it's about where you're comfortable taking him. Yeah, I think a really nice spot for him, as you've talked about with the forwards coming off the board, maybe a Doherty goes off the board, maybe one of the Ruckman goes off the board. Sure, You could pair him up nicely on the turn with a couple of good midfielders or picking him up plus another forward. And you'd be very, very happy with that because you've got someone who can pop 180s and then you field another top end line. I think he slips a little bit further down the board in Coach. He's probably teetering on that M1, M2 range,
1: yeah. depending
0: on how some people will rank. But you're probably looking at a mid-second round to late second round pick for a guy like brochure because he's just got the ability to be able to pump out a 110 season. And with the consistency that he has, and if you've got captains on, it's still a great pick to have at that point of a draft.
1: I think so. Look, you'd look at Supercoach ahead of him by seasonal average, just in the midfield. Laird, Oliver, Neil, Miller, Mills, Bontempelli, McRae, and Merritt. Throw Petrarca in there as well. Chances are eight of those nine, he's are probably going to get selected ahead of him. And then just beneath him by average, you've got the likes of a Jack Steele. So I think you're right. We might not have to use an M1 spot in Supercoach. Uh, You might get him there if you've secured another line uh, early in the first round, and that's totally fine. But uh, I think you bang on your analysis with both of those calls in drafts. Hey, Mini Monk, as always, mate, you're an absolute superstar. Thank you for your work on this episode today.
0: and I thank you for having me, MJ. It's been a pleasure. If
1: if you want to go and read the article on him, it is online for you now at coachespanel.tv, as well as all the other players we have revealed so far in the 50 Most Relevant. If you're loving the podcast, do make sure you've followed and got the notifications on so that as soon as we do drop these podcasts of the 50 and the other strategic stuff we're planning on landing throughout the preseason, you'll get notified on your device as soon as it goes live. In 30 seconds, I'll give you a little bit of a clue about who we've got lined up for you at number 13 of the 50 most relevant. But if you are loving what you've got from the coaches panel so far this preseason, It only takes a couple of dollars a month to become a Patreon supporter. It does help us do everything we do behind the scenes here at the Coaches Panel to be bringing out daily fantasy content for you. And so if you want to join the Patreon supporter group, we'll give you some exclusive content, hidden groups, extra podcasts, both in the season and during the off season, our cash cow guide. We've done our top 50 keeper tiers podcast. There's eight of those you can get exclusively to our paid subscribers, all the details for that are at coachespanel.tv. So tomorrow, who are we talking about in the 50 most relevant? Here's what I'll tell you. They are top five in their line across Dream Team, AFL Fantasy, and Supercoach. That's a decent performance in 2023. And while there is still a reasonable amount of people owning this player. They keep finding reasons not to start him and maybe it could come back and bite them in a real big way. Who is this guy that's top five in his line across the formats? I'll tell you tomorrow in the 50 Most Relevant.